Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Sunbasket. If you're not familiar with Sunbasket, they're a meal kit delivery service that tailors their ingredients to your specific dietary needs and preferences. So no matter if you're paleo, vegetarian, vegan, or gluten-free, you can choose from over a dozen recipes and get a box of delicious meals delivered right to your door each week. And you can now get $35 off your first order when you head over to sunbasket.com mbg. That's sunbasket.com mbg. Personally, my wife Colleen and I have been obsessing over their Lean and Clean box, which features meals that are high in protein, gluten-free, and free of added sugars. Being busy entrepreneurs, I'll admit that we don't get to spend as much time in the kitchen as we like. But some basket meals are super easy to prepare in less than 30 minutes since they come with pre-made sauces and spice blends that are beyond delicious. My New Year's intention this year was to actually eat more fresh vegetables. Granted. I already eat a lot, but there's always room for improvement. And Sunbasket has helped me do just that. Now we sit down at least two home-cooked, veggie-heavy meals a week with our baby daughter, Ellie, who has even started to eat some of the greens we give her. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. We also love the flexibility of Sunbasket and have been ordering their family basket when we know we'll be entertaining friends and family. And since we travel a lot, we appreciate the fact that you can skip meals at any time. The best part though, is the fact that we can feel really, really good about what we're ordering. Eating sustainably is something that's really important to our family, as I'm sure it is for yours too. Sunbasket's head chef, Justine Kelly, is obsessive about their sourcing, and the company is super picky about the farmers, ranchers, and fishermen they work with. That means responsibly raised meats, sustainably sourced fish, organic pasture-raised eggs, and organic non-GMO tofu all of which comes in recyclable packaging. So again, right now you can get $35 off your first order of Sunbasket just by going to sunbasket.com slash mbg. Happy cooking. This is Colleen Wachab, co-founder at MindBodyGreen and wife of your podcast host, Jason Wachab. We're excited to share that this episode is brought to you by Third Love, At MBG, we celebrate bodies of all shapes and sizes and appreciate brands that do too. Third Love is a new lingerie line every woman should know about. Their mission is to create bras that fit better and feel amazing. As a new mom, one of the most important things about shopping is convenience. To find the right size, Third Love has designed the Fit Quiz, which I love because it only takes a minute. They prompt you with questions about your current favorite bras and any fit issues you typically experience to find a size that's uniquely yours. They make it so easy to try too, with free returns and exchanges. Shopping and trying on bras from home is so much more comfortable than the hassle of going to a store in person. And let's be real for a second, nothing's worse than an ill-fitting bra. It's uncomfortable, leaves marks, and can even change the look of what you're wearing. With a range of sizes from AA through G, and incremental half cup sizes, which is something Third Love invented, there are 60 different sizes. This year, make the change that will change the way you think about bras. Go to thirdlove.com mbg now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. 
That's thirdlove.com slash mbg. Thirdlove.com slash mbg. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions, any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. JJ Virgin is one of the biggest names in health and wellness. She graduated from UCLA and is a certified nutrition specialist, certified health and fitness instructor with advanced certifications in nutrition, personal training, and aging. She is also one of the most prolific best-selling authors with numerous books hitting all sorts of bestseller lists. JJ also has an incredible new class offering here at My Buddy Green, which everyone should check out. JJ, welcome. Good to be here. So let's go back in time to early days, JJ Virgin nutritionist, and walk us through what were you like back then? What was in your mind when you when you began this journey? And, and walk us through to how you got to today, JJ Virgin Nutritional Authority. It was a four-time New York Times bestseller. You're like a you know, <laughs> mega business, entrepreneur, all these things. So like walk us through like early days to today. So I had been obsessed with health forever. I grew up in Berkeley, which is lucky because farm <laughs> to table is just normal there. Although my mother was from the Midwest and I was raised on Pop-Tarts and Captain Crunch. My nickname growing up was Poppy for the Pop-Tarts, <laughs> right? Um, and I rebelled against all of that at age 12. And I started going to the local health food store in Berkeley. Remember the name of it? Gosh, no. But I do remember going to the first frozen yogurt store there, (laughs) Yogurt Park. And the sad part was I thought I was doing so much better because I was getting the carob instead of the chocolate. I was getting the frozen yogurt instead of the ice cream, right? Not really any better. Um, And I was teaching dance. And this will so date me. In fact, most of the people listening won't know what I'm talking about. But I started teaching calisthenics. Sure. (laughs) because it was pre we had back then we had jazzercise and calisthenics and leg warmers were just making their big you know uproar all right so yes Jane Fonda leotards all of that Um, but that was my big big interest I actually went off to UCLA on a theater scholarship after spending a couple years in San Francisco going to American Conservatory Theater and I thought that's what I wanted to do and so like theater as a performer, <laughs> actor, yeah, as all an the actress. Above. I wanted okay. to be a stage actress, but so I was always doing dance and always looking at like how to be my best, healthiest self because I was on stage. But I got off to UCLA, didn't like the department, and kind of floundered around there trying to figure out what I was going to do. Started studying English. I became an English major, so that served me. But there was an aerobics studio in it right down the street from UCLA called California Shape. And I started there. And I started there. I went home for the summer to work at public PBS in San Francisco, KQED. And I started teaching at Richard Simmons Anatomy Asylum. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Um, I hope everyone listening knows who Richard Simmons is. hope so, too. Anyway. Did you hang out with him? uh, Didn't get to hang out much with him. I did spend a little bit of time with him. But it just... 
made me see what was possible out there as a brand. Sure. I mean, look what he did. It was yeah. incredible way back when. And then I went off to Japan because the exercise studio I was working with, they went off, and this is an important lesson. There was a place called Sports Connection in LA and this Japanese company wanted to take them to, to Japan and they said no. Well, they hadn't internationally trademarked Sports Connection, so they just did in Japan anyway. And they created a little exercise studio in Westwood and that was what I was part of. And so I got to go to Japan to bring aerobics to Japan which was super cool way back when. Yep. What was this, the 80s, 90s? This was the 80s. Wow. I remember I took off time from UCLA to go to Japan to do this, which wow. was so awesome. Yes. And then while I was at this place, California Shape, someone called up because they wanted someone to come to their house to work with them privately. And we're like, can we do that? Because there were no personal trainers at the time. There was no, <laughs> we didn't even know what this was. So right. I remember going to the house and I had me, you know, I was teaching them exercise and I was using my own body weight as resistance against them. I was pushing against them to do bicep curls and, you know, leg extensions, et cetera. And then I had a doctor friend who had surgical tubing, so I started using that. And then I had someone make a box for me so they could step up and down on it, right? Oh my this God. is like, I know. And I then step aerobics came out, then the spry exercise bands. And I'm like, oops, you yep. know, I was Bow like, flex, miss that, miss that one. Yeah. Right. But it was literally for a while there, it was me and Body by Jake. And what was so interesting about that was I was now in graduate school. I graduated from UCLA, literally started the next day in grad school in exercise phys because I was like, I better learn this. I was getting all of my information from Shape Magazine. But, you know, I'm just you marginally, okay. you know, I'm marginally <laughs> staying ahead of my, of my clients, right? And so I went to graduate school. And what was killing me was everyone in graduate school was going to graduate school to get their, then to go to doctoral school to become a professor. I'm like, well, where is everybody out in the world? Because there were no professions back then for this. And Body by Jake was Jake and his brother. They were charging twice as much as me. They had a waiting list. They, they were not only charging twice as much, they would work for 30 minutes instead of an hour. And I'm like going, what are they doing? Because they don't have the, the education I have. Right. Right. And education, as we know, does not equal business success. So that's when I thought, you know, I got to have the education, but I also need to have understand the business side of this and the marketing because these guys are killing it over here. So that's kind of woke up my whole mind to the marketing side of things. And pretty quickly, I had a waiting list and it doubled my rates too. So we're talking about movement. And as our, our dear friend, Dr. Mark Hyman would say you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. Mm -hmm. When did you start to take a closer look at the nutritional so, part of... This is so exciting. I love Mark. Mark and I have now known each other 20 plus years, and we both were saying at the same time, like, it's not about the calories, and people were yelling at Like, right. literally, we were getting criticized. I was like, we were like, oh, yay, someone else. Um, it became super clear to me that you couldn't exercise enough to compensate for a poor diet. And it was literally in my 20s, everyone was coming to me at the time as a personal trainer to lose weight. It was totally aesthetics. It wasn't about health at the time. It was purely weight loss. And it was really obvious, fast, that I couldn't. And everything back then was if you want to lose weight, you have to create a calorie deficit of 500 calories a day. Right. So you have to eat less and exercise more. Now, I saw very quickly, and most of my clients at the time were 45 plus women and 55 plus men. And I go, this is making them worse. 
Mm. And they're probably not going to pay me to make them worse. So I better figure this out. And we were taught in school that you were supposed to do long, slow distance. And if you couldn't work out for at least 30 minutes, don't even bother because you had to get into your fat burning zone. And don't do weight training until you lost the weight because <laughs> it'll just make you heavier. <laughs> we didn't have body fat scales. We were literally, I was in doctoral school and we were being taught how to do underwater weighing. I'm like, I'm not, how am I taking this to someone's house? Right. Or using skinfold calipers. So I started using skinfold calipers combined with the tape measure, combined with the scale early on. But it was very clear to me that you couldn't, that exercise alone wasn't going to cut it. That all we were doing was making someone fitter that was fatter. Right. You know, that, it, and so I went, all right, we have to dial in the diet. And I actually switched out of a doctoral program in exercise science to start studying nutrition. And there were two things that I noticed that I was being taught. Number one, the idea that our, baller, that our body is a bank account was not working that I could take people, and I literally took a group of women away for a week, and I did the calorie restriction and had them exercising the same each day. Some of the people lost weight, some of the people stayed the same, some of them gained. So I went, all right, that hypothesis is wrong. So I started with, okay, if that hypothesis is wrong, what's really going on? That's when I realized food's information, so is exercise, and that we need to make sure what we're doing is telling our body to burn fat, not store it. And what we were actually doing was doing the opposite that when you start to really lower calories and over-exercise, you're doing the exact opposite thing. So that was a key thing. And that also, you couldn't exercise enough to compensate for a poor diet. So mm -hmm. once I figured those things out, I shifted everything. I started doing high-intensity interval training with people. I started focusing on resistance training. I would take them to little field trips down to Gold's Gym in Venice. <laughs> and uh, it, But it was so contradictory to what everybody was hearing. So it was an uphill battle because you'd have to go, no, 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 no. You, you know, you've, you've, we're going to change the way you eat. And they go, but I thought I was supposed to eat low fat and right. high carb. I remember like you the know? age of like the rice cakes and the popcorn and mm -hmm. the low fat yogurt and the low fat pop tart. It's like, and what's so interesting to me. <laughs> Snackwell's is, cookies. Snackwell, totally Oh my that. gosh. And no one would eat just one Snackwell's cookie. It's just or like the whole snack box. Pack. Yeah. Cause they're fat free. But in some ways is that, I always thought that's, the, the, you know, hitting on like CPG and like products, I always thought that to some degree that's the problem. You have like a, there's always like a movement. So like whether yeah. it's like I'm paleo vegan, like okay, like principles are probably good principles, but it becomes a problem when you start packaging everything. So if I'm you know vegan, for instance, like okay, I'm eating plants all the time, but then I start eating like you know junk fake food, soy vegan. junk food, exactly junk food vegan or paleo, same thing. Like yeah. now, now everyone's packaging all these. Yeah, there's paleo <laughs> treats, this and that, and it's like, but it's just shit. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's like, does that? What, what's your overall philosophy, and how do you think that's evolved? And where do we run into problems? Is you it know, trying you, to package shit. Yeah, if you put a bunch of nutrition experts in a room, it, there'd be like mass disagreement. And this is where the, the poor consumer sitting over there going, what the heck do I eat? Right. I don't know what to do. <clears throat> you know, am I supposed to be paleo, vegan? Am I supposed to be keto, like right. low fat, high fat? Ah, right. But I think there's some basic principles everyone would agree on. And the ultimate thing here is that we've got to take personal responsibility for our health and start to connect the dots between what we're eating and how we feel. You may do better on higher fat. You might be one of those genetic APOE4s that needs to eat lower fat. Right? Everyone's yep. got their their differences, but there's some 
key things, unprocess your diet. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to this thing every year called Expo West. I know they have sure. an Expo East too. Yeah. Expo West, I like walk in there. This is supposedly the largest health expo in the world, and it's full of junk food. It's junk food. I look at this and go, soy hot dogs, soy pop, soy, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, this is, this is not, this is not unprocessing your diet, How right? How many so, meats on a stick can you do that are processed? Yeah. Fake I, meats, this meat, oh that meat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, just don't eat fake meat, eat right. real food. Like yeah. if it's had to be like a faux something, forget it, right. you know? So that's the first part is how do we get back to eating as close to nature as possible? And hey, you know, I use shakes and bars, so it's not going to be 100%. You have to do the best, make the best decisions. But come on, a soy hot dog? Right. When did that ever get to be a good decision? And then look at just the principles. I'm sorry, sugar is not okay. I don't care if it's from natural sources. All sugar is natural unless it's artificial, which is even worse. So Mm -hmm. you look at like, if we lowered our sugar impact, if we stopped snacking, snacking is one of the worst things that I've ever seen happen. And snacking happened when we pulled the fat out of food because we're hungry all the time. (laughs) So we have to snack. But you look at the basic principles of eat less, less often, Right. You know, the only longevity studies that have actually ever shown to be to to work, the only way to increase lifespan is actually to eat less. So t- you're a fan of intermittent fasting? So eat less, but you have to have optimal nutrition. Right. So, you know, I think it's super critical to have an extended fast every night because you look at what happens. Again, I look at it and go move off of the bank account model to the chemistry lab model of how you eat how you exercise, how you live, and what is it telling your body to do? Well, if you go longer without eating, not so long that then your stress hormones kick up. Sure. But, and for, you know, for men, they can go longer than women. So explain what's an extended fast a night, just like... 12 hours minimally. So eating dinner at 7 p.m. and then not eating again till 7 p.m. Right. 7 7 a.m. in the morning. And then, you know, ideally somewhere between 12 and 16 hours. Now, I find men, they can go longer. Women generally can't. Sure. Right? And it's really how long can you go before your stress hormones start to kick up? How do you tell? Without going to, you you start to feel it. It's sort of, yeah, it's kind of how you feel. Are you mad? (laughs) You know, (laughs) you start, I know, I know right when I can get to that place and I'm like, okay, I better eat now. But another big part of it starts to be like, what's going on with your adrenal health, right? Your stress hormones and what's going on with your insulin health? Because someone who's more insulin sensitive can access stored fat for fuel and they can go longer between meals, right? If you're someone who has to eat every two to three hours, you've either really trashed your adrenals and your insulin receptors, or you ate a really bad Bad meal. And that's why food journaling is, you know, of, of all the tools out there that will make the biggest change in your health, the simplest one that costs nothing is a food journal. It's just writing it down. I mean, Kaiser did a study. They found that people who wrote down what they were eating lost twice as much weight as those who didn't. Wow. I mean, that was their number one determinant of success. Do you think it's just holding yourself accountable or just like really understanding like, whoa, I thought I ate this way, but the reality is I didn't. You know, those, um, the food reporting, the food frequency reporting, they, they found that people have no idea really what they, how much they really eat. I've found with food journals is that people want to report the good days. 
Sure. And they don't want to report. Sure. It's just like getting on the scale. What do we know about people who weigh in daily? Sure. People who weigh in daily actually maintain their weight better than people who don't. Sure. And people who like had a bad day don't want to get on the scale. It's like that's when you need to report these things. But I also think in order to really connect the dots between what you're eating and how you feel and what you weigh, you've got to have a food journal so you can look back and go, why do I feel like crap this sure. afternoon? What did I eat? And was there something in that I wasn't aware of? Sure. Right. I mean, you know, when I wrote Sugar Impact Diet, I started to really look for all these places that sugar was sneaking into our diet. And people don't realize that grass-fed steak you had at the restaurant, well, they might have put wheat flour on it. Right. Right. Just because it makes it taste better. Sure. Or maybe they put some sugar in it. That, you know, salad you had for lunch that had raspberry vinaigrette and candied walnuts and a little right. bit of dried fruit well that was actually a sunday so and that's we, what crashed your blood sugar so if we go back to those uh the common ground that probably all nutritionists and doctors will agree on for the most part the vegan the paleo the functional medicine the integrative medicine so we, we're starting with unprocessed foods we're saying eat more eat, eat more, more plants, vegetables eat more vegetables you know we'll, sugars, we'll argue sugars. over plants of course because sure. there's the big bean debate sure, bean debate knows, we had you know, yeah, and yeah. lectin debate and blah lectin. blah blah <laughs> but you know we'll like, take beans out of the <clears throat> equation but eat more plants uh less processed foods less sugar and drink pure water right like drink more water i mean here was a very cool study done um gosh i'm trying to remember which university it was but 100 percent of dieters shut down their evening hunger pangs with a glass of water right you can boost your metabolism as much as 30 percent throughout the day with water how many glasses do we drink should we drink well it's, it's it's not as simple i mean you know i this whole the urban legend of eight it's probably a good starting place but that really depends on body weight it depends yeah yeah, it's like going it's just like saying hey your waist Uh, measurement should be this i'm like well isn't it different for a five foot woman versus a six foot woman you know and i had someone say no that's the study i go but like let's look at this so for water i mean so let's look at all the things that would um impact that what climate are you in yeah what type of exercise are you doing what are you eating? Because if you start to go very low carb, the first thing you'll do is start to release a lot of glycogen stores and dump a lot of water immediately. Um, you know, so these things make a difference. And of course, how much do you weigh? Sure. And, you know, so eight glass is a good starting point. But if you're in a hot climate, you're a heavier weight person and you're doing exercise and sweating every day, guess what? You're going to need more. And the best way to tell is to weigh yourself with a body fat scale because the body fat scale is based on total body water and it will show you when you're dehydrated. I'll tell you a really funny story. I was on Dr. Phil for two years when he was doing these weight loss challenges. And the first one we did, the first 13 we did, had a really cool competition. And the winning group got to go to Canyon Ranch, (laughs) right? So it was like a battle. Now I brought in a big body fat scale, so I was doing weight and body fat, but they were not concerned about the body fat. They were concerned about the weight. And that was the what this whole competition was based on. The winning group won by like a half a pound. <laughs> they won because the day before, they all stopped eating, stopped drinking, they exercised like fiends, and then they all went into their rooms, they turned on the shower full heat, they put, like, they got into the bathrooms, shower full heat, and they covered the door it's with... Like a sauna. Yeah, they created their own steam, <laughs> steam room. room. Steam room, yeah. And I, you know, I found out later, and I was like, 
well, shoot, that was genius. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just dehydrated yourself. I could see it on the body fat scale. I knew what they'd done. Right. But we weren't basing it on body body fat. fat. So I'm like, what are you going to do? That was a really smart move. Right. (laughs) Right? But that's where a body fat scale can really help you see, am I staying well hydrated? Because being well hydrated is really important for health. Sure. So I'm going to segue to metabolism. You have an amazing new class here on Mind Body Green, which everyone has to buy. We're not going to talk about everything, but (laughs) I want to talk about metabolism. Like, first of all, like some people are like, metabolism I think I know what it means, but what does it really mean? (laughs) So what is metabolism? Well, I like to look at it kind of from a overall of like, how well is your body working? How is it burning fuel? And the big kind of urban legend out there is, and you hear it all the time, it used to be I'm big boned. Sure. You know, and uh, now it's I've got a slow metabolism. I'm like, do you really have a slow metabolism or are you doing activities on a daily basis that are basically taking down your metabolism? Because in reality, most people don't have a slow metabolism. They're doing things that are making it so they're not able to use their stored fat for fuel, that Mm. they're relying on, you know, the hits that they eat all throughout the day, the little carb hits they're eating to burn sugar. And they're doing things that would just slow them down, like loads of cardio exercise burning up their muscle instead of building up their muscle and doing great high-intensity interval training to crank up their metabolism. So that's what's fascinating to me is how do we optimize your metabolism for you? Because everything's going to come down to over this next decade, how do we customize to you? You know, how do we make sure that your metabolism is humming the best it possibly can? And what are the things that could be creating problems there so you can fix them? What's like the worst and best thing you could do? With regards to diet and metabolism? Uh, the worst thing you can do is <clears throat> eat little hits of fructose all day long that just shut down fat burning. So here's the challenge. We all are like, okay, we need to be juicing and having smoothies. And I, I've been doing smoothies every single day for 30 years. But there's smoothies and then there's adult milkshakes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and we got to know the difference. And I look at a lot of these smoothies out there. And I go, this is not what you're doing. It's like 100 grams of sugar. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's actually a green drink out there. So, Naked has a, um, a green machine drink that is more sugar than a Coke. That's a lot of sugar. It's 44 grams of sugar. And the problem is, someone's drinking that going, it says, with the power of greens. I'm like, but it's got five fruit servings before you ever get to the measly serving of greens, right? right. Because the greens, if it was just pure greens, most people go, I don't like that. So, when I look at a lot of these smoothies, I go, this is, this is not healthy. A smoothie should have some good protein source in it, some healthy fats in it, and then a little bit of things like berries and some greens. In your mind, what's an acceptable level of sugar <clears throat> in a smoothie? Because like you're traveling, you're trying to get something. You know, that, that's where I think people can can often well, go what's off the, the rails. Well, sh- what's the smoothie coming from? And and so I I started with talking about fructose, and this is the real challenge is. And why I wrote the Sugar Impact Diet, we put this into the metabolism course so that you don't have to overthink this. It's really about lowering your sugar impact as much as possible because if you're getting big fructose hits throughout the day, fructose can only be metabolized by the liver. It goes straight to the liver, and if it can't be converted to glucose and stored as energy in the liver, which it can't, okay? Your liver's only so big. It's why we have fatty liver now in kids. So just assume it's full and that's being turned into fat. And the bummer is that all through this, it just goes straight to the liver. It doesn't trigger any satiety signals because it doesn't raise blood sugar. It seems like that'd be a good thing. It's a bad thing because mm. your body doesn't know you ate. 
So you really want to keep fructose down fairly low. It's why you don't want to drink an apple juice. Apple juice has more fructose than a Coke does. <laughs> and we're giving it to little kids and wondering why we have a diabetes you know, right. epidemic right now. So what's an acceptable amount? It really depends on the person, how much they're exercising, what's going on there with their waist. The biggest indicator of, of how you're doing is your waist. If you're losing weight, but you're not losing your waist, you just made yourself worse, not better. Sure. How is your energy level? Can you go four to six hours between your meals? Can you easily burn off stored fat? Or you're one of those people who's weight loss resistant, you're going, gosh, I don't understand. I can't seem to lose fat, especially around my waist. The more you have issues there, the more you've got to lower that sugar content down. But what's like the best thing? I know there's numerous things, and that's like a lot of the class. But. <laughs> the very best thing that you can do, well, first of all, you've got to make sure your thyroid's working, because if it's not working, you're going to be at a standstill. Um, I, one best thing can I give? I'm going to give three. I'm not even ask for permission. See that? <laughs> I'll ask for forgiveness over here. Um, sleep. Sleep is so key. If you do not sleep well, you are going to be more insulin resistant. You're going to be hungrier. It won't be hungry for salmon either, as we know. <laughs> um, secondly, is is along with that sleep, getting a nice 12-hour overnight fast at least, um, and third would be adding in some high intensity interval training and i know in the class we've got like if you're already going i don't have time sure. you know or i you know i don't want to go to the gym we have in the class how you can do this at home fast so your excuses just went out the window and so someone listening right now and they may be saying like hmm like is this for me like why do i need this like i, I want i want to hear about that and i also want to hear like why metabolism like why this is so critical i feel like metabolism is it's just so everything. underrated it's, in i know and it's like everything you know well i come from the world early on in high school i became obsessed with weight loss when i was on dr phil i realized it was way bigger than weight loss because what i saw were so many people trying to lose weight who couldn't and they thought they were doing everything right and so first of all it was like okay what is getting in the way of you losing weight or even causing you to gain weight and so many things are actually stuff we're doing because they we think they're healthy hmm. like having the juice having the smoothie doing long slow distance cardio and so it really comes down to understanding your metabolism and being able to know how to track to see what's working for you. You know, how's your energy? How's your focus? You said, is this right for you? Well, if you're having any struggles with energy, like afternoon you feel like I got to take a nap or I need to have a hit of like coffee or a little sugar, if you're having challenges there or you're feeling like, you know what, I just, I'm losing weight but my waist isn't changing or I have to eat every couple of hours or maybe my focus isn't so good, I walk into the room and go, what am I doing here? I know mm -hmm. I came here for a reason. Right. I can't remember what the heck it was, you know, or you feel like, gosh, I just, I'm, tr I'm working too hard for the results that I'm getting. Right. Because I will tell you that I used to be so, like, I was obsessed with every single thing that I ate before. Every day was like, is this a good day or a bad day? What's my weight today? What's my skin look like? I used to exercise four times the amount I exercise now. And I used to eat less than what I eat now. And it's not like it should be easier. I'm older. But my body fat at, at 50 plus is 15%. Wow. I'm a woman. That's not normal. So I love it. Eating more, doing less, feeling uh, yeah. better. Sign me <laughs> up. <laughs> I'll take 10. <laughs> so who are some of your favorite? Like there's so much, 
we're in the golden age of wellness. There's mm-hmm. Science is catching up. There are exciting new studies. Like, what are some things that are like really interesting and fascinating to you and exciting? And who are some of like the doctor? Like, what's what's interesting to you right now? And where do you think things are going? So I'm lucky that I've been around for a long time, and I have like some of the the smartest people are really close friends. I mean, I just will always. You know, do a shout out to Mark Hyman because he's just, you know, what I love about him the most is that A, he's become so successful and he's still the same guy I knew 20 years ago. (laughs) Um, And I said, you should put that. You're not an a hole. Put that on your website, you know. (laughs) But he's just, he's humble. He just knows he's out there to get the message out there and he's willing to take the arrows for it. Um, and he's learned all along the way. I mean, we all have, you know, we all way back when I used to tell people to eat low fat and have whole grain bread. Right. right. I'm like, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Oops. Um, well, that, that's a huge thing then though, because some people will take a position on diet and then won't change because they feel like changing weakens them. So I think being great in this industry requires the ability to eat humble pie every once in a while yeah. and adapt and say like, Hey, it was wrong. I actually had someone say, you know, well, you used to say this and now you say that. I'm like, yeah, well, do you not want me to be watching the current <laughs> science? And and here's the thing. It's not like our biology is changing. Our you know physiology is changing. But what we're understanding, I mean, just gut microbiome. When I started working sure. in weight loss resistance years ago, I knew. I had Suzanne Summer's stepdaughter was one of my clients. Okay, <laughs> and she got sent by some of the docs in L.A. They're like, she needs a cheerleader. I'm like, well, I'm like so not a cheerleader, but okay. And I'm listening to her, and she was 40 pounds of her weight, and she was barely eating. Oh. And I'm going, something's super wrong here with her. And it turns out she had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, but n- no one knew what it was. SIBO. I didn't know what it was. We didn't. I was like <laughs> yeah. going, wow, you know, when they give her probiotics, she gets worse. I go, so we actually went through and fixed, did a lot of stuff with food intolerance. She also had a big issue with eggs. And fixed the SIBO, got the probiotics out, went on kind of a killing phase, then restored her gut microbiome, and boom, she never had to worry about her weight again. And then I was teaching a course called Weight Loss Resistance, one of the doctors showed me an article about this that had just come out. I'm like, oh my gosh, so many of the things that I found through working with thousands and thousands of people, now of the science, I'm like, oh, yay. You know, so... Um, Mark's been one of those people who just continues to evolve and put it out there. I'm super excited about his next book because the biggest question we all get asked is what should I eat and to really give you sure. all the information behind it. Um, I know Vincent Pedre just did something with you guys too. Yep. And I love Vincent because, you know, he is really getting in there with gut microbiome. I think the biggest exciting trends are gut microbiome, mm-hmm. epigenetics with Sarah, you know, Sarah yeah. Gottfried, I know, is another course creator and has been a good friend for years. And when you look at what's coming out, hey, we're going to, it's going to be low fat, high fat, keto, paleo, sure. vegan. Those are all going to be out there. And I think there's times for all of this. You know, keto can be super therapeutic if you've got a brain injury. So sure. with my son, hey, What's that was, there was a time yeah. we used that. But it really comes down to customized nutrition. That yep. is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger by understanding your gut microbiome, by understanding your genetics, and then being able to shift your epigenetics. We can't shift our genetics, but really, that is that is just a loaded gun. We are pulling the trigger by what we decide to do every day. Mm-hmm. And when you look at all the things that change your genes or all the stuff we've been talking about forever, we just now have science validating, yeah, you should sleep well and have good relationships and exercise and you know eat more plants. It's like, that's what 
that's what all the epigenetic stuff sure. is showing. So I'm like, oh, good. Now we're just validated for all the stuff we've, we've said forever. So let's say, well, you brought up your son. And for those of the, for those who don't know, you, you experienced a pretty traumatic event. And Understatement. Yeah, <laughs> very true. You almost lost your son. Like, just walk people through Yeah, I almost happened. lost my son multiple times. So this was right before The Virgin Diet was coming out. And, you know, the month before a book is coming out is crazy times for an author. And it was even crazier for me because my sons were 15 and 16, two boys. Um, Obviously, they were sons. And I'd invested every dime into getting this book out to the world because I really knew that this was kind of the forefront of helping people take responsibility for their health. It was a really good time. Wheat belly was out. People were starting to understand gluten. Now I was talking about food intolerance, a bigger umbrella. So I was like, this is going to be so big. And I'd done a public television special. I basically had taken the whole advance and borrowed. And like, so I was up against it and I'm the financial support for my kids. It is all me. And a month before this book is coming out, Grant is crossing the street at dusk and gets hit by a car, hit and run, literally left for dead in the street. He's airlifted to our local hospital. We get there and we're told that he's a torn aorta that kills 90% of the people on the scene and that he was going to die sometime in the next 24 hours unless it was repaired. But they couldn't repair it at this hospital because he had multiple brain bleeds called diffuse axonal injuries. He was in a deep coma, the deepest one you could be in. And if they were to do the surgery there, his brain would bleed out. Basically, we could have his, you know, his aorta. So it's like kind of like heart will work or brain will work, but you can't have both coupled with 13 fractures uh, he literally when i saw him it was it, it was like being in a movie because i think your brain goes protect this couldn't be real sure. like he was covered with road rash glass sticking out of his skin like shimmering glass bone sticking through his skin and i'm looking at this and my 15-year-old son, first of all, is listening to the whole thing from the doctor and says, so maybe a 0.25% chance he'd make it because the doctor's like, you know, he'll never survive the surgery. Or first he goes, he'll never survive an airlift to another hospital. Even if he were to survive that, he wouldn't survive the surgery. Even if he were to survive that, he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. And my son, Bryce, 15, goes, so like a 0.25% chance he'd make it. The doctor says, yep, that sounds about right. And he goes, we'll take those odds. And uh, my son's a total, he's now a double math major. And he goes, you know, wasn't zero. And right. all you need in life is the littlest glimmer of hope to grab onto. And so we overruled the doctor, who was not happy, and got him to the next hospital, which was amazing. It was Harbor UCLA, number two trauma center in the country, full. You know, we get in there. They've got five surgical teams prepping him. And a doctor that walks up and says, I got this. Don't worry. Wow. I'm like, okay, I won't worry then. And uh, he comes in after the surgery. He goes, all right, he's fixed. He'd put a stent into his heart that was a an experimental stent. He, he had to get it from someplace else because the study had been, you know, it was over. It wasn't supposed to be put in kids. He goes, I figured I'd ask for forgiveness. I mean, a most amazing doc, Dr. Carlos Denaire. And uh, he goes, but I don't know about his brain. That's not my part. I'm just a plumber. And then the uh, neurosurgeon's like, we don't think he'll ever wake up. And I just went, you know what? He's going to be 110%. I just decided that I was going to go with that because if he fell short of it, we're still good. You know, what I didn't know, because all I was told by the doctors was when he wakes up, it will be ugly. And I didn't realize they meant for a long time that with brain injuries, 
you know, 5 million people at any time in the U.S. are disabled by brain injuries. 25% of them are suicidal. And it is incredible to come out of. And I just kept going, how do we get them to be 110%? I think in life, you've got to, you get what you expect and you got to ask the right questions. And what's so amazing now is he is better than before the accident, which is what I kept. This is five years now. This is five years yeah. out. Better than before the accident. I'm also, you know, we've made it our life purpose to teach people that brain injuries, it's not a matter of time. Because I was told, it's just time. There's nothing you can do. I'm like, really? Nothing, huh? Right. The minute I heard that, I'm like, no no point talking here. No one listening. Because I brought in all the research. Actually, Dr. Barry Sears gave me the research that they'd done when they'd done high-dose fish oil, and they wouldn't look at it. So I went, all right, we'll just do it anyway. So we've done so many amazing things with my son. We've done stem cells and CBD and high-dose fish oil and neurofeedback and hyperbaric. And he is better than before the accident. And he will be 110% because he came into this with um, bipolar disorder. And so now we're working with just this amazing crew of doctors I found in the world of you know, not just brain injury, but mental illness, which, you know, is one of those things that we need to talk a lot more sure. of. We act like it's, we act like it's something someone choose, choose to have, no. you know, I'm like going, it's no different to me than any other thing you see out there. You know, it's just that this one's the one we don't talk about. I was raised, I'm adopted, and my adopted brother was schizophrenic, and we weren't allowed to talk about it. I'm like, I think people Whoa. know something's up with my, you know, brother, mom. And so I'm I'm a big advocate for getting this information out and helping because there's so much that you can do. And I now know for sure he will be 110%. But bigger than that, because I've been so vocal about it, we've been on a lot of different shows. He's been on CNN. He's been on The Doctor's. And because, you know, I put the book out about it, I put a documentary about it, I want people to know that you can do something about this. And if you hit your head, you hurt your brain. Sure. A lot of people don't even realize, like a traumatic brain injury is a concussion. If you hit your head, you don't have to pass out. You hit your head, you hurt your brain. And there's major things you can do to heal from it. But it is, I think, one of the leading causes of depression. 50% of the population at some point have had depression. And when you hit your head, that's one of the key side effects of it. What's so interesting, too, is all the things you named that help, helped him recover all these cutting-edge therapies that people are talking about right now. Mm-hmm. CBD, hyperbaric, stem cells. Like These are all the things that, ooh, this is interesting. It's developing. And, and what's so interesting, too, you have a huge mental health problem here. And no huge. one really has great solutions. Mm-mm. And then you couple, like, it's my hold, hold my iPhone up. Like, what is this doing to... <laughs> and then the right. problem's developing there. And it's just it's people are born with it and it's not you know something i think people will say in wellness sometimes like oh you're just you're responsible for your own happiness and like yes some people are to some degree but there are lots of people who aren't and no matter what they do they can't it's gen- help hey, it. it's genetic marcy shimoff wrote this book happy for mm-hmm. no reason years ago and Great then book. sarah gottfried got involved there because what there is is a happiness gene. Some people, sure. you know, it was amazing. It's like a different when, baseline. We have. Yeah, yeah, my kids were growing up, and my one son Bryce would wake up in the morning, and go, "Mommy, you look so pretty in that dress. I can't believe it." I'd be like my nightgown with my hair all over the place, and the other, and Grant would wake up and go, "I don't like you. You're a bad <laughs> mom." And I'm going, "How did this? Wait a minute. Wait. wait when did I turn know, into mommy dearest? How did this be? You know, <laughs> I've done the same things here. If anything, he got more opportunity." Right. And, you know, you look at it. I'm adopted. I met my birth mom at 25. What we was are that exactly like? the same. 
crazy. It just shows you how important, you know, how big genes are because I was raised in a very, you know, very traditional family. Dad had a job. Mom was a homemaker. Like, they don't exist Very anymore, untraditional right? for Berkeley. Like, very, like, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> she was from the Midwest. But I meet my birth parents. My dad is a massive entrepreneur. My mom's whole side of the family are scientists. Oh, so I was like, oh, no wonder I am who I am. Because it was nothing with by how I was raised. Hmm. If I was, if I was, became who my parents wanted me to be, I would have, you know, gone to college, gotten a job, married a guy with a great job, stopped working, had two kids, been a homemaker, golfed, and played bridge. That's what they wanted for me. I was like, I couldn't imagine a like a life I would rather not have. Right? You know, just doesn't fit me. But it was meeting those my birth parents. They're not your parents. Let's face it. Your parents are the ones that had to raise you and deal with you as a teenager. But. you know, it it answered all my questions sure. for like, why is, you know, do I, sure. why, why am I such a nutball entrepreneur? You know, it's so like, ah. What was it like, you know, every parent's worst nightmare is, is losing a child. And I think next to that is almost losing a child. Yeah. And you went through that and that wasn't a quick Mm-mm. start to finish. <laughs> this happened over an extended period of time. How did you personally get through that yeah everyone's got like and have you come out on the other side and I don't know that you ever come out of the other side um but it was interesting we were sitting around the table uh, last year and Bryce and Grant and um their dad John who's a very close friend my ex-husband and we all hang out together and we were realizing how much better we are because of all of this and you think about it and I don't know one time in my life where things were going awesome and I became a better person because of it Right. Right. You know, you don't grow, you know, you you grow when you're challenged. And I had a great mentor early on who said, don't wish it was easier. Make yourself stronger. So that same mentor who was supposedly going to be my mentor in business really for six months just was a mindset coach. And I remember being frustrated at the time because I just wanted her to teach me how to be more successful in business. And she was teaching me, you know, there are no victims, only volunteers. And she taught (laughs) me to manage my environment. She had me wear a rubber band. And anytime something, a negative or limiting thought came up, I had to snap my rubber band. I had to manage everything I allowed in, the people, the news, like no more news. I stopped listening to the news years and years and years ago. My mom would get so upset. But what if something happens? I go, I think someone will tell me. Like if there's like a fire coming my way, someone's going to tell us. I'm not going to, you know, so because if you watch the news, it's like all bad news. Sure, especially right now. Social media is depressing. It's just, but it always, I mean, it just, it just always seems to be. So I don't, and I'm really careful about the people who are around me. So all of the things that I learned then were what helped me get through this and continue to get through it because, you know, it's not going away. Right. But let's face it in life. The one thing you know for sure is things are going to happen, right? What is the differentiator? It's deciding that, you know, I I love the whole statement, there are no victims, only volunteers. It's deciding that you are going to show up strong. You know, Grant Hmm. has never once been upset about the woman who hit him. We never focused there. And everyone asked, what about that woman? I'm like, you know, she's good. It's like, what difference does that make? I don't know where she is. It doesn't matter. He's never talked about himself as a victim and that changes everything we also really worked on forgiving her because when you hold 
anger and grudges. It just it doesn't just hurt you. them. Right. <laughs> it's like it wouldn't affect her. You know, that's one of the most freeing things that you can do. So those mindsets that are in um, what's now becoming warrior mom uh, <laughs> are what really not only changed me in sure. this, but helped me in business. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So as we talk about mindset and business, you know, you are an entrepreneurial powerhouse and you're such a great marketer and a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the show. Like what advice do you have to someone listening who's like just getting started, wants to build their personal brand? Yeah. You know, what, are, what, what are like the three things they should do? So first of all, building your own business is the biggest personal development course you'll ever embark on. It's going to bring up all your crap. It's going to bring up imposter syndrome. Who am I? I remember when I was on Dr. Phil, I kept every time I would drive over to Paramount, I'd go, are they going to let me in today? Are they going to like, you know, am I going to be found out? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, just be aware of that. And it's going to scare the crap out of you. And you know what? I've realized that if I'm not a little bit scared by the things that I'm doing, then I am playing small. Hmm. So that's one of the key things. So you're going to be working on yourself a lot. You're going to be looking at everything that's showing up for you. And that is probably your biggest determinant of success is are you willing to do that? The second thing, the biggest thing that made a difference for me was having really good coaches, yep. mentors. Um, in fact, I can, I can track all of my business success based on mentors and groups. You've got to hang out with people. And ideally, and Tim Ferriss just talked about this in an interview, you want to be like the lamest person in the room. Right, right, <laughs> I was like, what can I go I had uh, JC cough on the, you know, Movember, the Movember Foundation, like the huge nonprofit for raising uh, awareness uh, with cancer with men. And now they're actually fi- uh, focusing on mental health. He says he had a great line on the podcast. Uh, if you're the smartest person, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong yeah, room. Wrong room. Get out of there. <laughs> so you always want to continue to find those people who will challenge you. The reason I hired the first mentor I hired for a hundred thousand dollars when I was dead broke was because she would not let me play small. I'd talk about something I wanted to do, and she goes, you're JJ freaking virgin. What are you thinking? And I'm like, ah, you know. So, and then the next one is. Really think about what you stand for. What's your through line? My through line is I believe that if you knew better, you'd do better. But we need to take personal responsibility for our health. And and then what's your moonshot? My moonshot is to help a billion people get healthier. I can't do that by myself. That's why I started Mindshare and I have you know this health sure. entrepreneurial group. And then what is your niche that you're going to really own in that world? And dig it deep. So I work in weight loss resistance, but my niche really is food intolerance and carbon tolerance. How are foods working for you? Which work for you? Which don't? How do you customize a diet that's going to work for you for the long haul? That's where I stay. I could talk about thyroid and adrenals and insulin. I used to teach a course on it, but it's better for me instead of doing that to say, if you got blood sugar stuff... Mark Hyman. Sure. If you've got thyroid stuff, Dr. Isabella wants. If we're talking about adrenal stuff, let's go over to Dr. Alan Christensen. So I have a really amazing network that I can then pull in, and they all have their area that they can focus on. And usually people say, I don't have a niche. I don't know what it is. It's always right under your nose. I can spot it for someone, but you usually can't see it for yourself, which is why you have to have a coach. You're going to have blind spots in your business. You'll never see. And you want to have that coach and that group and that training because it's going to help shorten that learning curve and save you a lot of time and money. So what keeps you up at night and what has you excited in the morning? Mm. 
Nothing keeps me up at night. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's not allowed to happen. I'm really, uh, I've, I've got a whole routine so that I will sleep well. But, um, you know, it's really been an interesting transition. And when I started to lay out all these goals, I've always been a very, very big goal person. And I laid out all these goals and I hit them. And what happened was I kept doing more like, okay, well, I had one New York Times bestseller, I better have two. I had two, I better get three. <laughs> and then it was like bigger and bigger goals, but they weren't backed by the why. Right. I think if, if the biggest thing that you want to do is listen to Simon Sinek's TED Talk, Start With Why, because it's really not about the New York Times bestseller or how many people are on your list or how many people are on your Instagram sure. feed or your Facebook page. It's really about the impact, the lives you're touching, why you're doing what you're doing. And so when I find that I'm starting to chase like a goal, I get back into chasing the moonshot right? and the why. And for me, it really is, how do I help a billion people get healthier? And I realized how I keep help a billion people get healthier is I've always done my own personal brand, truthfully, not for the reason people think. I do my personal brand because I know that if I can figure out how to crack the code on, you know, how to do a public television special, how to be a New York Times bestseller, how to have a, you know, seven, eight figure business, if I can crack that code, I can teach that. And if I can help 10,000 other healthcare professionals do it, I helped a billion people. Right. So that's what keeps me up at, at night is how do I make sure that I'm doing things that are duplicatable and scalable and how do I continue to help other healthcare professionals just pull back the kimono share what I'm doing so they can go do it too right. because we are all stronger to get together there isn't you know it's like people worry about competition we are just getting worse I mean look at the latest stats on obesity alone it is ridiculous we are in an information overload age and we're getting sicker and sicker, and we need more and more of us out there, and there is no competition. We couldn't possibly serve the people that we have who are right. sick. So we all have got to get together and collaborate and share and support each other to be our best, do our best work out there. Amen to that. So if you could go back <laughs> in time and give your 20-something self-advice back when you were at UCLA doing theater, what would that advice be? You know, the biggest thing I've struggled <laughs> with that it really was it was the whole imposter syndrome and being afraid and who am I to do this and you know I love the quote that Marianne Williamson talks about is like who are you not to do this mm. like you know the world needs your light out there and it it would be a reframe of all of that going yes you're scared good right. step up bigger step up bigger because you know I, if I'd really looked and went what am I afraid of I'm afraid of people laughing at me I'm afraid I'm not good enough it's like you're always going to feel that way as you stretch to the next step. And so if you reframe that and go, this fear is good. If I just started 20, I was so shy. I still am. I'm a shy person. It's like, okay, the fear is good. This is good. Step out. The world needs you. So what's if someone says something bad about you? A whole lot of people are going to say negative <laughs> stuff about you. In Mindshare, we actually do insanity awards, and we celebrate all the crazy stuff people say about us because we know that if you're going to go out there with a new idea, you are going to get attacked. <laughs> and it just means you're doing good work. 
I love that. So I'm going to close with, we do have this amazing metabolism class. Amazing. 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 So why is it so amazing? Why does everyone (laughs) have to go check it out right now? So I love science, but I think sometimes science can just get us confused. And what I've always tried to do is take the science and then put it into actionable steps so that you can really make a difference. And I'm, I'm always looking for what's the fastest path. And, you know, what you'll find with this course is if you're, frustrated at all you feel like gosh i've been trying everything and nothing's seeming to budge or you'd like to have more energy more focus or you already feel like i'm really pretty healthy but like how do i take it to the next level this is information you probably haven't heard based on cutting edge science but it gives you very actionable steps and it's just one of those ones you'll want to have in your success library and just kind of go okay like i'm going to go through it and then i'm just going to come back and fine tune it take to the next level you know health is really peeling the onion right and just continue it's never you're never done here and i see this as a key course that can grow with you that can just keep you on that journey of getting better and better and better i love that it is a journey and everyone needs to check it out thank you so much jj for being here thanks everyone thanks everyone